0: You know, something I noticed about both Ernest and Bill, and and I asked two people, by the way, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 16. I asked two folks because I think the Lord, something we've been very big about all through the life of this church is uh, each of you has a different story. Uh, Each of you is very gifted. Uh, Whether you're growing up in grade school, whether you're in college, just out of college, got two, three kids, everybody has gifts, everybody has different stories, uh, some stories connect with some people, other stories connect with other people, different gifts, all that, and I just was noticing Ernest and Bill, and, and like Ernest holds the mic like right down here about belt angle, and Bill's like right here, and so it's just, you know, how different, how different people are, and you're giving Byron a lot of work back there as he like, as he figures out the, uh, the sound. But that may be a little thing to y'all, but it's just the differences in stories. You know, Ernest's story about uh, his dad, his granddad, uh, marrying uh, into a family, becoming a father in that way. Uh, Bill's story, they have a passion for Honduras. I would ask, you know, we're involved in Honduras ministry, but also as a nation. So his wife, Lori, is down there uh, with another team through another church uh, that she's partnered with, they've partnered with over the years. And you know they've adopted uh, four kids, and uh, both from China, Poland, here in the state. And so there are uh, there's the old saying, you know, anybody can be a father. It takes someone special, unique, different to be a dad. And uh, today, as we do celebrate that, my main point in the message, and it is going to be brief, uh, the message today is that uh, we we don't always know what our Heavenly Father gives us. And because we don't know, sometimes we look to earthly fathers, and those earthly fathers are wonderful, but their, their love, their time cannot compare to our Heavenly Father. And often often we have some problems with earthly fathers. Uh, you know, so today, is, you know, it's, it's moving, it's good, all that, it's, it's loving. But I know, I mean, I know as pastor, uh, some of you and others, uh, have issues with fathers, have daddy issues. Uh, there are issues of abandonment that are very, very real uh, in our congregation, in every congregation, uh, unfortunately, in many homes, issues of abandonment. Then there are issues of men, and, you know, they've talked to me or talked to others, like, you know, I just I don't know how to be a father. I don't know how to be a dad. I don't know how to be a spiritual leader of my house. So today is is great, and we celebrate at the same time. Uh, What I hope we can do briefly is just reflect on what our Heavenly Father gives us and that it would address those two very real issues, okay? Uh, Issue of abandonment, some of us may have. Issue of, I don't know how to do this deal. And we can look the part and play the part, and maybe even look really good at it. But deep down, struggling with, you know, how do I be a father? How do I be... The spiritual leader of my home. So we have been going, if you've been with us, we've been walking through Acts, and we're going to go through much of this book uh, over the course of summer, but today we're in Acts 16. We were in it last week, but I'm going to read verses 16 through 34. So It says, once as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed. Turning to the Spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. When her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul And Silas, and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, These men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, because we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, along with everyone in the house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. So taking this passage, and I want to look at two people here, not Paul, not Silas. Although they're they're Christians, they're ministers of the gospel, but I want to focus on the slave girl and the jailer, okay? Uh, A young girl who was a slave Who'd probably been, uh, we have this ministry in India, and actually some of these girls will be here in October coming to visit, but many of them are kidnapped from their villages, uh, put into slavery. Slavery is still a very real issue, uh, unfortunately, in our world. But this girl could have been kidnapped. Uh, She was uh, a slave. Who knows what had happened to her, occurred to her, uh, but she was being used for money, for profit. Uh, all around the city, maybe around the region. And this was, this was widespread. And unfortunately, it still goes on in our world today. And then we have this jailer who is uh, just doing his job and trying to work and provide for a family. It says very clearly he has a family, he has a household. And there's a point where he's very uh, afraid for his own life, that he has failed, uh, hadn't kept these guys in jail. And so these two people, they, they hit on uh, the different issues that we face in not knowing, again, uh, or not being reminded enough of what our Heavenly Father gives us. Uh, let's, uh, before we go any further, I want to go to Jesus. And I use this verse over and over again last week, uh, and I will some more. John 14, 6. But I want to add uh, verses 7, 8, and 9 to it uh, today. John fourteen six through 9. It says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father... So Jesus doesn't say God here. He says Father. Comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on you do know him and have seen him. So when we talk about Heavenly Father, we can also, we can also connect him to Jesus. There is the Trinity, okay? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking as the Son, but they are, and this is a big mystery uh, they are united in their diversity. There's this unity in diversity. Same with the church. Same with, you, you may not have called it, you're not supposed to, but like Bill and Ernest. There's diversity there, but there's unity in the message, okay? So Jesus is saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I ask you this, and i ask you this over and over again. I, I really want you to think, about it. what does that mean if you claim it? And many of us, we claim like, I believe this. Well, what does it mean for your life? And then he says, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen God. And Jesus came to us as a person. You know, Jesus, he sacrificed himself. He made sacrifices. Came and lived an earthly life. And so for us, we don't know what the Father gives us. Because if we say we're saved... If we're saved, we're saved, we shouldn't just say, like, hey, I've got my ticket punched and in heaven. There should be something that is real and active and, and giving and sacrificial about our lives here today, throughout our life. Throughout our life. And so often, and here's the problem, okay, if you're following me. The problem is to say, hey, I believe that John 14, 6, Jesus, the way of the true life. I know I'm saved, and yet I still have these issues over and over again and today, folks, is the issue of abandonment. So I've got daddy issues, or maybe it's an issue of abandonment uh, with a mom or with a sibling or with a child or, like, people have just left me and I feel abandoned. Or you have issues like, I don't know how to do this thing, and yet you keep claiming Jesus over and over again. So what do we do? Well, we have to be reminded, and yes, by me is like teachers, but more so in my prayer is that the Holy Spirit supernaturally invades and impacts your heart so that like you know what you say you know, okay? And that's what we have to do a lot of times us here, and we've been raised in VBS and Sunday school and all this to know what we say we know. So, back to the passage, back to the the people in it, the slave girl. I would say she has this issue of abandonment. She has been, it doesn't say it here in scripture, but she's a slave so we can infer she has been used and abused. Money for profit, over and over again. She probably has this strong sense of abandonment that maybe her daddy wasn't there for her. Maybe her parents weren't there for her. Maybe her community wasn't there for her. And she was sold into slavery. And she is now possessed, okay? Like, real deal possession. Uh, which is real. Uh, not if you're a Christian, okay? But spiritual warfare, very real here. Paul... Confronts it and says, "I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her." So something's inside her that Paul says, "Get out!" Like get the get out, okay? For real. We don't know what we have in our heavenly Father. First thing that we have that you can have, you can have it today, is immediate healing. Can I get an amen, anybody? Immediate healing. So this girl, this slave girl, was immediately healed. Immediately healed. Paul turned around. He knew something was inside her. Knew it was a spirit of the demonic. And he says, get out. So immediately she's healed. The spirit's out of her. In the name of Jesus Christ. There are... Now some of you may be saying, man, I'm possessed. Are you saying I might be possessed? No, I'm not saying that, okay? not saying that here. I'm saying I don't know, but I'm not saying that. I am saying this. There are strongholds in life. Remember that word, strongholds. What might a stronghold be? I mean, there's some that, I mean, the, the easy answers are alcohol, addiction, addictive behavior, sex, porn. Um, I mean, it can, be, it can be little things that have strongholds. Uh, nicotine. It can be uh, addictions. It can be things. It can be relationships. It can be people that are, that are strongholds, bad relationships, okay? Uh, those are real. And so I think when I say we don't know what we have in our Heavenly Father, we don't know that we can have immediate healing. Immediate healing. Uh, you're like, how do you know that? Well, I see it in Scripture, okay? And here's one example. She probably had many strongholds, but they were immediately healed. Now, you also have in your Heavenly Father gradual restoration, Okay? which is very important. You can be immediately healed, but you also need the gradual restoration of people. We don't know what happened to this slave girl. You know, I was reading about this passage, and many biblical scholars uh, want to hope to believe that Lydia, who we talked about last week, who came to know Christ and was older, could have, like, adopted this girl, you know, as a mom, and ministered to her, or the community, the church at Philippi, Taken the slave girl in, ministered to her, and brought the gradual restoration. Okay? And I mean, again, imagine like all this girl had gone through just crazy stuff uh, being sold, being abandoned, uh, and now here. It, it is going to take some time. You may have immediate immediate spiritual healing, but some some time to be restored uh, for life. Okay? I say this because I have seen this example. Uh, in the life of our church over the years. And let me use uh, women, ladies. I've seen it where take a let's take a wiser lady. I'm not going to name any names, but some of you know who you are because this has occurred. And then some younger ladies who have had strongholds. Okay? And I'm not going to name the strongholds, but you all can imagine. I went through a couple of them. And maybe there's been some immediate healing supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, and they're saved and they're Christian as it's done, finished, as we sang about. But there's some need for some gradual restoration in the church. And some things that they may not be able to talk about with men, which is, is totally fair, they can talk about with women. And I've seen older women come in and minister to young girls here and bring about gradual restoration. Amen? I mean, seriously, amen? That's good. Yes. So what do we have in our Heavenly Father? We can have immediate healing. We have gradual restoration. And that's where our Heavenly Father says, I want to use you as the church as hands and feet to help gradually restore both women and men, I might add. Let's go to the jailer. Jailer, different guy. Uh, You know, I love him to death. I always think of it's probably, I always think of Bull Angelo when I read about this jailer Christian. I just always just like big dude. Where's Bull? He's in the he's he's taking care of business, man. He's out there in the foyer. Okay, you gonna tell him I said that, Kelly? Please. Okay. I just always think of Bull. I just think, always think of Bull. Love Bull. And I love this passage. So you got this jailer, and you know, man, he's just he's taking care of business, and then they've escaped, and he's like, you know, I'm I'm done. And so he asked them. He says, "What must I do to be saved?" And they say, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. So there's a direct tie, I don't know if you picked that up or not, to John 14, 6 uh, and 7, which we read earlier. How do you be saved? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. On Father's Day, you need to hear this. Jesus said, No one can come to the Father except through me. So when the jailer says, What must I do to be saved? They say, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. So thinking about, we don't know what our Father gives us. He also gives us immediate salvation. And it's immediate. Happens in a moment. Salvation is not a gradual deal. Salvation happens in a moment. You need to hear that. I, I want y'all, one thing as pastor of the church, I want you to be assured, uh, if you are a Christian, and I know many of you are because I've had conversations, I can't see your heart, but I would say to the Lord that you are, that your salvation is immediate. It and it, you know. So why, you know, what's the blessing in that? Because often, like, man, I got that. Kind of, I know that. Well, often we're in this trap that we feel like we got to work for our salvation over and over again. Uh, We got to work to prove ourselves to God. Maybe that's because of abandonment we face. Maybe it's because you know people have not been there for us. Maybe it's because we feel insecure and we never ever show it. Or maybe it's because we just we feel like we've got to prove ourselves or we've got to put on the best face because you know that's what the culture tells us. We've got to put the best foot forward. No, that's not what the gospel says. Gospel says, what does the gospel say? God says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll be saved. With that, Amen. We don't always appreciate the good news of that. We say it. I think it's good news. We come to church, and yeah, I'm a Christian, but like, you don't have to prove yourself. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. What does the Holy Heavenly Father give us? Immediate salvation. You should rejoice in that. I mean, and look, I'm not putting this on you. I'm putting it on me too. I mean, I often I feel like I've heard it so much. You know, we should be jumping, singing, praising. There's nothing to prove to your Heavenly Father. Nothing to prove. Let me say it again. I don't think that really percolated, penetrated enough. There is nothing to prove for our Heavenly Father. Jesus has done it all. Just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So he gives immediate salvation, and he gives gradual, here's a big word for you, okay, sanctification. The two are different. Salvation happens in a moment, sanctification, uh, over a lifetime. What is sanctification? It's, uh, let me use some other churchy words like discipleship, Uh, growth. I talked about Bill and Ernest, seeing them grow in the Lord, seeing many of you grow in the Lord. It also ties in with that thing I talked about earlier, restoration. So the salvation happens immediately. The sanctification, the growth, does happen through a lifetime. So I I read this thing this week by a guy named Francis Schaeffer. I don't know if everybody knows who he is, but through the 60s and 70s, uh, Francis Schaeffer, he's kind of a hero of mine, he he led many, uh, actually many, many hippies, okay, the straight-up hippies uh, to Christ uh, through the Jesus Movement. And then he and his wife uh, kind of set up like a base camp uh, in the, uh, actually the Swiss Alps, which is a nice place. And so many hippies, uh, New Age thinkers, backpackers, he got connected with them, and he had this great ministry to them. But he always said this, he said, look, salvation is most important, because, you know, heaven and hell, in being saved. But he said, after that, it's like, think about your physical birth. Physical birth, like, you know, being born as a baby, you know, coming out of the mother's womb, is most important because it gives you life. But after that, I mean, we, we don't have much memory of our, our physical birth, but we don't reflect on a lot because what's most important then is like living life, right? And he said, often our, our Christian life is similar to that. Salvation is most important. As Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. But, but after that, you look back on it, but you, you need to be thinking about some other things like living this Christian life. Like maybe helping uh, people grow through issues of abandonment and restoration and helping people be restored. Maybe for yourself. Uh, maybe growing in your life through a church. So here we have this picture of the church already. The jailer saved immediately. But it says, they spoke the word of the Lord to him, verse 32. And then he took them and washed their wounds. So he cared for them, newly saved, newly Christian. And then he and his whole family were baptized. He brought them in his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. So that's the church there. you got Paul, Silas, jailer, and we don't know how many were in his house. But we infer he had a wife, he had kids and they're sharing a meal together. So the process of growth in Christ, sanctification has already started. So we don't know what our Father gives us because uh, this is immediate salvation, but that growth, sanctification, happens through the church, through you and me, not just me, as teacher, pastor. Like, we got to help one another. We do have issues here. We have Things going on in people's life. We have people hungry to grow. And it, it is, that's why God made the church, to grow in this sanctification. So, yes, there may be issues of going back to abandonment or a need for healing uh, or just need for, man, what is God doing in my life? How, how can I grow through this? And, man, I encourage you, again, uh, the mission of this church from day one, raising leaders, raising unlikely leaders, uh, to help one another grow. And be raised up. The last thing I'd say, and I keep saying this, you know, often we get stuck because we don't know what our Heavenly Father gives us. Uh, you know the, uh, the story, or many of you do, of the prodigal son. It's my favorite favorite parable in all of Scripture. And so it's often, you know, the, the younger son runs off and ends up eating with the pigs and blows all the money You know, always he blows all the money on booze and, you know, high living and low living and all that. And he comes back and said this, and the father runs out to meet him and embraces him. The elderly son stayed there. He's so angry that the father is so forgiving and accepting and embracing. He's so angry that we don't even know if the elder son went to the party. Some of us are the younger son, and we're the younger son because we don't really believe that our Heavenly Father has our best interests in mind. Like, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to make my own way. I'll I'll keep you kind of here. I know I can come back, but when I say we don't know what the Father gives us, we really don't think that he's got our best in in mind, and he does. I can say that, but it has to be the Holy Spirit, like, impacting your heart. He does. And then often we're like the elder brother, because we can be both, and the elder brother is really using the father to get what he wants. And sometimes we just go back and forth between younger brother and elder brother. You're like, how is the elder brother? Well, he's hanging around with the father to do everything right and using the father to get his wealth and get his land and his property and his earnings and his position so, hey, he can be, you know, the man. And, and we li- I say this, we live in a place where that, that's, uh, that's very easy to do, and it's not so we can follow the rules and do everything to a T, and even do our, our Christian walk so good, and put on the mask, but God sees the heart. What does the Father give us? Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. What does the Father give us? He's the Father. Jesus said that. He's running out to meet him, and he knows the elder son's using him. He says, please come to the party. Please come to the party. Please stop. Please stop. Just know I have your best interests. Know I'm here for you. Know I've gotten a church for you. I'll give you immediate healing and immediate salvation. I'll give you gradual restoration and sanctification. Do you know that? If you don't, then I hope to do everything God's given me to remind you a little bit. And I pray the Holy Spirit will convict you more to know it and to be His church. And yes, the salvation, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. But many of you say, hey, I got that. Then then we need to, we need to cry out to the Father and look to Him and see Him running to us and that he has your best interests at heart. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, may we know this. May we know what we say we know. Uh, do um, Do not use my words to let them know, but use your spirit to change their hearts. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.